0: And having recently, by the way, been to South Africa, where the sockets are just crazy. (laughs) I've never been. It's almost like a sort of socket on steroids. Like, how can we make this really inconvenient and massive? Is
1: that a socket in your pocket?
0: We're going to need a big socket (laughs) in South Africa.
2: Smashing Security. Episode 155. Juice jacking YouTube hacking password slacking. With Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security, episode one hundred and fifty-five. My name's Graham Cluley, and I'm Carol Terrio. Hello, Carol. Hello, Graham. What? <laughs> anyway, and we're joined this week by Jeff White. Hello, Jeff. Hi. How are you doing? Fantastic. Thank you for coming on the
0: show. Ah, oh, it's always a pleasure, Jeff. What have you been up to? What's going on?
1: What's going on with your book?
0: Yeah. Oh, the book! Yes, the book is uh, is in in progress. I think uh, it's fair to say. Um, so it's going to come out. Uh, we think late spring next year, and it's going to be called Crime.com. So we we are now at the stage of cover design. <gasps> Ooh.
2: Oh, so what are you going to do? Go on Fiverr.com and ask someone to do it, or what,
0: what's the deal? Well,
1: I sort of. I'm, sort I'm a I'm a budding artist, actually, Jeff. So, uh... <laughs> oh yeah, hey, yeah, yeah.
0: Okay. <laughs> I was thinking. Pretty I was good with thinking, the old watercolor, Microsoft Paint. <laughs> I was thinking. My face, just my face, like in extreme close-up, with just like the eyes, the nose, and the mouth, and nothing else—no title, no name, just just the face on the front in really excoriating detail on the front.
1: Do you know? I don't mean any offence in saying this, but that is something that Donald Trump would do.
0: I know, I know. Yeah. I'm thinking, capitalize on that. Yeah, that yeah, yep. you know. No, I, I don't know. All I could—I'm th- so bad at design. I'm so bad at all the visual stuff. All I could think was, oh, I like the ones that are just a white cover with some black text on it. And the publisher looked at me as if to say, "What?" <laughs> so, do they actually ask you? Do they do they ask well, your opinion? Or yeah, you get well, yeah, you get um, to, to, to you know if you if you reject too many of their offers or their right. ideas, obviously they just like no. But you can sort of say, "No, I don't like that. Or, I do like this, or we should you know." Okay, you, you get an inputs they don't just they don't yeah. Yeah, yeah, because if Jeff throws
1: his toys out of the pram, what happens then?
0: Exactly. You've got to please the talent, as it were. (laughs) But yeah, so no, it's very exciting. So cover being designed and and then obviously you've got to do all the proofreading and all that kind of thing. So yes, it's in process. And you've got
1: to wait like what, four or five months before it hits the shelves?
0: About that,
2: yes. Yeah. And when eventually it does come out, I'm sure we'll talk to you before then, but will there be like a book
0: tour or anything like that?
1: Yeah, do will I you... get a signed copy? Would
2: you... That's what the question uh,
1: I'm asking, I want
0: to know. Uh, to both of those things, yes. To the latter question, yes, but it won't be free, your signed copy. No! <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, i'll pay for
0: it absolutely i just get i keep getting people saying oh can i have a free copy and i sort of think well i do have to sell some you know like i can't (laughs) bankrupt myself by giving don't worry i I believe in supporting the arts good good okay and in return i shall buy one of your one of your watercolors what's on the show this week krill
1: Thanks to this week's sponsor, LastPass. Its support helps us give you this show for free. Now, on today's show, Graham tells us about a bank's unique approach to passwords. Jeff gives us the lowdown on public USB charging services. And I'm sharing the woes of a hacked YouTuber. All this and loads more coming up on this episode of Smashing Security. And, Graham, I have a neat idea for uh, what we should do for our Patreon supporters. And I'm going to share it at the end of the show. So don't duck out early, folks. Stay
2: tuned. Now, chums, chums, we all know that passwords are pretty important, right? Mm. No, I've never heard that. you never heard that? (laughs) Do you have any passwords, Coral? Nope. No? (laughs) Don't bother me. Just just the enter key. I just put C-A-T for everything. Cat, right for everything. Okay, well, I think most of us know it's important to have secure passwords and to educate our friends, family, dear listeners out there about safe password practices. We're always going on about it, aren't we? And uh, I think it'd be nice to think that companies are doing their bit too to raise general password standards.
1: Well, it's within their interest to do so, I'm guessing, right? Because then they have less hacked accounts, less irate customers, et cetera, et cetera.
2: Mm -hmm. So just like, in a way, companies are recommending people enable two-factor authentication, For that, that message then spreads on to other accounts as well. And you begin to think, oh, maybe this is a good idea to enable it elsewhere. And one sector where you'd really expect firms to be on the ball is in the banking sector. So yes. you'd expect financial firms to be really red hot on password security. Mm, definitely, yeah. They're not going to be sloppy. So I want to take a look at one particular bank that was highlighted on Twitter last week. Okay. For its rather unique approach to password security. I'm so intrigued, Graham. I right, have no idea <laughs> where this could be going. I really didn't, I didn't
1: look at your story beforehand. I didn't know, re, oh, okay. you know. Yep, so I'm brand fresh new to it.
2: Well, this isn't a bank you might have heard of. It's not really a household name. It's called Finico. And uh, although they're not a household name, they offer online banking and brokerage and investment services to more than 1.3 million customers across Europe. So it's not totally tiddly. Mm, okay. mm. And I think actually it's mostly uh, sort of businesses who may be their customers as well. Most of them, it seems, are based in Italy. Mm.
1: Finneggio.
2: Oh, do you think that's it? <laughs> maybe that's it. Finneggio. Okay, we're calling Finneggio. And, and Finneggio. I like that. Finico. <laughs> Finico. The, uh, they, they want their customers to be super secure when they create their accounts. And so they actually give some advice when people create an account on their website. And what they say, and this has been translated, obviously, from the original Latin or Italian, (laughs) depending on how the website is. It says, verify the security of your passwords. Type the password on Google. And if it returns less than 10 results, it means it's a good password.
1: Shut the front door. They do not say
2: that. (laughs) They do. They say that this is a way of making sure your passwords are as secure as possible.
1: So if my password was ABC, it's as good as 123, for
2: example, I would type that into Google and go, oh, oh. there's so many results. That's a bad one. Well, ABC, it's as good as 123 <laughs> wouldn't be accepted by them because oh. that, that has more than eight characters. <laughs> <And> their, <laughs> their website <laughs> stipulates that you can only have up to eight characters in your password
0: brilliant That's, there's got to be i mean do you think there's a technical reason for that that what they've got is an, an entire office full of scion organizers scion 2 you know the little ones they used to have in mark suspenses that can only store you know 8k or something so like, don't overload our buffers
2: well i think the thing is they're probably not hashing the passwords because if they were hashing the password if they were just storing checksums of the password then it wouldn't matter how long your password was would it so, they're probably mm. actually storing the password. And we've only got eight character bytes to store it in in the database. And so right. we can't have anyone who asks for more than this eight is characters. A bank people. So <laughs> 1.3 million people save their money with them. Well, it's not just the eight <laughs> character thing, but also this you should Google your password. Yes. And not use if it appears 10 times more. I mean, there, there's a view that maybe they're doing this because then you can use your browser history as a password manager. <laughs> so if you need to look up old passwords, you, you can just look up your previous searches or indeed anyone else who uses the same computer as you can go through your browser history as well and, and spot them there. Uh, now they, they go on, they suggest a couple of passwords, you know, just to give you an idea of what would makes good password. Okay, okay, uh, cool. And they yeah. give two suggestions. Um both of them, obviously, not more than eight characters long. Right, but but again, these are the same suggestions which they give everybody, and they're not randomly generated. So the idea is, if you're too lazy to use Google or too busy, you don't have time to enter your password onto a website. Here are two passwords you can use.
1: Oh, that's lovely. It's a bit like <laughs> uh, it's a bit like those. Uh routers and they always have the password in the bottom and no one ever changes it
2: unless you right you know there's a a whole load of iot devices which use default passwords obviously that sort of uh, you know and so you would think that maybe any criminal would think oh having spotted these two passwords i'm now going to add that to my password cracking database Mm. because Mm. maybe there will be some people out there who will do it now maybe you've been scared buy all this, and you think, well, I really need to change my password at fineccio after spotting all these alerts about their practices, Mm. right?
1: Um, I have a much better eight-character password to
2: (laughs) put in. Well, here here is the fly in the ointment, which is that you have to pay fineccio um, if you want to change your password. <laughs> Fuck you are um, kidding. <laughs> no, no, I should stipulate. This is only if you want a new password sent to you via the post. Oh. I think, which possibly... <laughs> Who possib- would want that? Possibly... <laughs> You're paying for the privilege of decreasing okay. your security. But they're going to charge you uh, 0.95 of euro. So it's about a dollar. Well, I don't know. The postage varies, Carl. So if you're, for instance, <laughs> changing your post in the UK, I think it's over £2 which they're going to charge you uh, to change the password there.
0: But what happens, what happens for that money, Graham, is a series of Italian <laughs> postmen arrive at your door and each one lifts up their top... And tattooed on their chest (laughs) is the first letter, is the letter of each. And they arrive in turn and you have to make a Don't get the
1: order wrong, George.
0: (laughs) And then at the end of it, after eight postmen have been, you have your new password, at which point they have to get tattoo removal. That's why it costs so much money. It would cost
2: a lot.
1: Okay, so my, okay, this is my gut, my gut speaking here. I think they sound like cowboys. I am shocked that a bank like a spaghetti do this. western, you mean? Yes. What you <laughs> no, but do you know what I mean? It sounds just a bit like like they yes. have done no research on how passwords work. And yet they're supposed to be a bank, like, you know.
2: I don't know if they have a competent IT security department or not, or whether they're simply ignored by the powers that be and told this isn't a priority. But it sounds like they've got a whole bunch of things which are kind of (laughs) askew with how they're protecting their customers. It is
1: surprising, though, that there's no legislation in place that would stop them from being so
0: weird with passwords, (laughs) don't you think? Like, I don't know, GDPR? But I don't know that that doesn't set a sort of minimum password safety, does it? I just... um
1: I don't know. I th- also, well, what's in? What information is kept in plain text alongside your password?
2: Mm, point. So I wonder if there's some sort of translation issue here, because I think isn't it the NIST standard which says your password should never be less than eight characters, oh. ideally up to sixty-four or something like that, and maybe they m- mixed up minimum and maximum. Did you not research that before you decided to present this story? What? What research? What do you mean actually go onto a search engine and type in things about passwords? That could be rather dangerous. girl. You see the trouble that they've got themselves. So anyway, the bank has been royally pilloried, <laughs> and you can only pillory royalty at the moment, uh, online for this attitude. And they say, we understand the criticism. And we decided we're not going to suggest it to our clients anymore, uh, eventually we'll okay. in Google. But I don't know if this uh, Look, maybe- maximum character limit is going to be lifted.
1: Maybe it was just a very overexcited CISO who came up with this idea and no one else in the room had the knowledge to say that's stupid. So they all nodded, (laughs) right? And went, great, let's try, let's try. And actually it turned out to be not so smart.
2: <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, but I don't. I don't go to my auntie Hilda for password advice, Carol. Right? I don't listen to her when she says, "Oh, I've got a great idea on how I to said choose CISO. a strong password." CISO should well, know. How to do- well, yes, and he should know that you don't go
0: and Google it, right? You <laughs> don't put it into your browser. Maybe the History. marketing
1: team added that on afterwards
0: to make the page nicer. Just playing devil's advocate here for a second: Is there a reason why googling a password isn't a good way of working out whether a password is too common or not? If I, is there? A, Well, there's an obvious downside to that? Well, it records
2: it in your log. Yeah, the first Mm, thing is it's going to store it in your browser history. Mm, The second thing is you have just given your password to Google. Mm. Although it's extremely unlikely it would then fall into someone else's hands. But I think generally our recommendation would be entering your passwords on the web anywhere other than the website where you're intending to enter it mm. is a bad idea. It's a bit like these websites which say, we will test your passwords. Please enter your passwords here. And I'm sure some of them are legitimate and they will give you some sort of idea as to how common those passwords are. But it, it, it's a, just a dangerous precedent because you're kind of saying to people,
0: oh, it's all right to
2: enter your passwords.
0: Yeah, yeah. At the ones where you enter your password and it says, we'll tell you how to secure your password. I've always had issues with that. Mm. Yeah. This is
1: yeah. a bit different though. We should tell people this is a bit different from when a reputable password manager, for example, suggests a rent password
2: wouldn't you say oh yeah well that, that's that's what you should do right that's the answer is get yourself a password manager get it to generate a strong password hopefully your websites will take a password which is longer than 8 characters and make sure it's complicated and unique I mean I, I don't think humans should think up their own passwords and that's what their advice should have been which should have been get yourself a password yeah. manager and get it yeah, to and do
1: don't it. bank with a bank that has a limit of 8 characters right yeah yeah,
2: yeah, Carl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good advice, Carl. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: so, Jeff, what good advice have you got for us in your story this week?
0: Um, th- the good advice would be uh, don't plug your phone into a random airport USB charger thing to charge your phone. Is the well, good you advice. can't
1: get to them because they're always packed with people. There's yes. lines out to
0: people who want to use them. Usually, teens. I've noticed there's a lot of teens in UGG boots.
1: Okay. Ug <laughs> <laughs> boots in England are a bit funny for me. I like know. it's the wettest country in the world, and their their ankles are slopped inward, aren't they? So their ankles are all like crazily positioned, and yep. uh, they're wearing these wet, soggy, stinky things. Yeah,
0: it's teens and ug boots snap, yep. snap facing each other on Google Insta <laughs> or whatever it is they do these days. Oh, Dad! But but no, revenge is now mine. Revenge is mine because because it could be that those kids are, are and others who use USB charging points are the victims of the, the phenomenon of juice jacking, juice jacking, juice jacking, juice jacking, <laughs> which is the name which is the name for when your USB connection is hijacked in some way by malicious software. So you plug your phone in to charge it, and inadvertently when you plug your phone in to charge it, um, that then gives the malicious software in the charging point access to your phone. Because your phone's obviously unlocked at the point when you're doing this. And there's a data connection as well as a power connection between your phone and the charging point. And that's juice jacking. So you so, think you're getting free power, but actually they're siphoning off data and or hacking into your phone.
1: So this is a little bit like when we were talking about bank cards being skimmed at ATMs.
0: Hmm, hmm. It, it is a, a little bit like that. Yeah. What's interesting about this though, is the banks and ATMs, you know who the owner is. It's a bank. You know that they're held to quite high security standards, a bank, and the police got involved in all that kind of thing. So they, in a way, the banks struggled to get on top of the you know, ATM hijacking, carding thing for a while. But it was clear you should be in charge of that. With these charging points at airports, it, I don't know whether it's entirely clear who runs them all. It's the airport's responsibility. Sometimes it's a mm. private company. There are these little... Um, safes where you can like have a key, you unlock the little box with a key, you stick your phone into there and then lock it again and there's a company who provide Mm. those. Uh, The thing is, you just don't know really who's responsible for this. You can go to the venue where you charge your phone up, but if it's an airport they might say, well, you know, it's company X we give that that thing to. Now, this I had heard about juice jacking before Yeah, uh, I'd I'd come across this. It's not a new phenomenon, but it is now being warned about. So the LA District Attorney's Office has now warned against USB charger scams and is telling people, look, if you want to charge your phone bring a normal power socket thing that you plug in like we have a three pin socket bring one of those don't rely on just a usb socket right. to, to plug that's into. that's the key
1: here isn't it it's like mm, a mm. usb socket is not the same mm. as an electrical two or yep. three pronged plug into your wall
0: and i, I find this a bit depressing because I had, I had held out this wonderful hope for the future where you know because usb is universal obviously all around the world so suddenly we're in a position where instead of having to remember which charger goes where And having recently, by the way, been to South Africa, where the sockets are just crazy. (laughs) I've never been. It's almost like a sort of socket on steroids. (laughs) So like, how can we make this really inconvenient and massive? It's almost like South Africa's got an overblown sense of how powerful its own sockets are. Is that a
1: socket in your pocket? (laughs) I know.
0: it's like, we're going to need a big socket in South Africa. I thought, finally, with USBs, we can ditch all this power conversion bollocks. And now I'm confronted with the fact that actually... I'm opening up a security hole if I rely on that particular future. Annoying,
2: oh, very well, annoying. Well, anyway, yeah. it's, it's no longer just the regular USB-A anymore, is it? It's now USB-C, which is the yeah. tiny little one. And mm. it, it's yes, like, oh, bloody, innovational time. Now, like you, Jeff, I've heard about this years ago. I think maybe about five or six years ago at some of the security conferences, people were demonstrating this kind of oh, thing. I'm still ahead of the curve, Clue. Well, no, I'm not saying <laughs> that. I, but, I, but I do remember, I think it was in iOS 7, because I think I wrote about this, Back then, they put something in where your iPhone will pop up an alert saying, do you trust this computer? And that's one of the differences Mm. is if it warns you that it's a computer you're attaching to, even if you don't realize you're attaching to a computer, then you can choose to say no. I'm not going to uh, do interesting, this, interesting. as opposed to it being a, a power thing. So that's one thing to look at, and I think there's something similar on Android as well, where a similar sort of pop-up. If you've managed to get yourself an update to Android, so you can protect mm, yourself. Mm. And this this is also something which could happen on aeroplanes as well, not just at airports and in hotels or at shopping centres. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because there they often provide that kind of facility too, don't they? And you, mm. you might be actually plugged into
1: the network and
2: trains.
1: Yeah, you
0: have to. I mean, it does strike me that you have to. I mean. D- in order for this to work, you have to get the malware into the actual, you know, the computer, the device behind the socket. So, you know, for the people who provide these points, there's obviously an issue for them about securing it to the point where I can't plug in a USB device and somehow get through to the technology that sits behind the panel, if you like, because that's what you've got to compromise in order to make it so that when people plug their phones in to charge them, you can then hack them. You've got to have done something first to compromise the computer behind it. So, you know, it. it I don't want to alarm people unnecessarily, but as I say, when when U.S. authorities are warning about it, I do think it's kind of reached a point where maybe thinking about that might be a good idea. I think. I did, mm-hmm. So I was going to say, I did chat somebody a while ago who was talking about a USB condom. <laughs> Apparently, these are available. You can basically slip, uh, you know. So oh, it basically says, "No data connection, just a power connection, please." You know, <laughs> I, I love you, but not that much, kind of thing. You know.
1: <laughs> you guys hang out in the same I, circle.
0: I, uh, so. <laughs> I um. <laughs> I agree about
2: not alarming people. I actually got a text this morning from my accountant. He said, Graham, I've seen this message on who knows where, something online that where she'd read it. And she said, you know, I want to warn all my customers about this. Can you confirm whether this is an issue or not? And I, I sort of said to her, well, I think technically it's an issue, but I'm not sure whether this juice jacking thing has actually been happening maliciously in the wild, whether it's mm-hmm. actually been happening in in the real world. And I I sort of think, well, we need to be aware of these things. But I, yes. I would sort of say to most people, I'd say, I don't think this is widespread. Yeah, mm. it's
1: a bit like those um, USB cables that basically had malware inside them. So yes. if you borrowed one, you know, like the chances of that happening, it's not impossible, but the chances of that happening to average Joe in the street, or average listener is pretty small.
2: Yeah, you talked about that in a previous episode, mm. I think didn't you? Right. And there've also been these uh, USB sticks which can fry your device as well by sending an alarm you were going to say fry your brain well, I was like, whoa <laughs> 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 But you know I, I think uh, you know it, it's not necessarily that common to do it and I think the biggest risk actually of this sort of thing happening might be if you go to a security conference and if you're mm. at a security mm. conference and there's some device for charging up your phones so if you're at a black hat style Or a hotel mm. Yeah, I'm just thinking where there's be lots of hacker types who might find it amusing to do, then that, that might actually be the biggest risk of all. But Because, of course, they still would have to, uh, well, I suppose, root the phone or jailbreak the phone in order to exploit some kind of vulnerability to, to get mm. past it Because it's not like you would unlock the device knowingly when you plug it in, would you?
0: And when you plug it in, there is a little prompt that usually comes up on the phone screen, isn't there? Do you want to establish a data connection with the thing that you right. just connected to? So you'd have to get around that as well. And approach. so that's the point. Late
1: where- Mr. and Lady Uggboot would say yes, because they <laughs> want to play their game, right? They want to,
0: they want to snap through to, to, to ClickFace. or, or Google <laughs> Or Snapbook, you know. Yeah. That's where they want to be. So yes. Yeah.
2: what's your story for us this week?
1: I'm going to tell you a story about a hacked YouTube channel. Not my channel, but Marco Styles YouTube channel. Now, this type of hack is not necessarily new. And actually, many YouTubers are really wary of this happening. Right. So I thought this might be good to go through because he shared a lot of information about what happened. Mm. And we can see if there's any takeaways there.
2: So there's a guy called Marco Stiles who has a YouTube channel.
0: He's got hacked.
1: And for a few years now, Marco Style has been building up his channel, right? What's, like not, his,
0: for those unfamiliar with him, with his oeuvre. Uh, yeah, with me his
1: neither. Oeuvre. Me neither. His oeuvre. <laughs> no, no. Me neither. He's not, he's not in my echo chamber at all, right? right? But but he does have a YouTube channel that he doesn't treat as a hobby. And like literally, this guy has hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of videos on his channel.
2: Okay, all right.
1: And his thing is gaming and commenting on his gaming. Oh, how original! Is That's is that something your son would is this dream career. My my my,
2: <laughs> my son actually has. He, he, He's been working all weekend on his YouTube channel. He, oh, he, has he? he? Yes, he told he, he's, he told me the other day. He said, "Dad, Dad, I really think we need to put some serious effort into my YouTube channel because apparently you can make millions.
1: He's like you. He, he's he always only says eight we, we when there's work involved. <laughs> I'm a star. We need to work on my channel.
0: <laughs> what, could, what can we do with my channel? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm intrigued by this. What's 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 he got? What's you know what's. Well, he he's um, he he idolizes a few
2: YouTube gamers, mm-hmm. and he is basically emulating them. So he he's got his Nintendo mm-hmm. Switch, and he's plugged it into the computer, and he's he's. <laughs> Do you realize
1: this is gold for a dad? Right, this is gold. When he turns fourteen,
2: I I will no, I will take over the channel. He'll probably be going out with them, and I'll be maintaining the channel, keep on churning out the videos.
1: Um, so Sorry. so this guy, Marco Style, just to get us back on track, right? He has um, dedicated countless hundreds of hours playing and mm. commenting on games like Division and Destiny. But he seems rather good at it. I mean, he does have 350,000 subscribers, right? Not bad. Hmm. I guess what we're saying is he's like an average YouTube guy, but he's probably ahead of average because he has 350,000 subscribers. He's doing this as a kind of business and trying to make money out of it. Now, a few weeks ago on November 2nd, he announced on Twitter that he lost control of the entire channel. Uh, and Marco Style had shared his story both on YouTube and on Twitter and with reporter Paul Tassi of Forbes. So it seems control of his site went whoop with a click of the mouse. Now, this is what Paul Tassi wrote. Quote, Mark watched everything he'd built burn starting with on November 22nd when he replied to an email looking to advertise on his channel. All
2: right. It
1: seems like a real company and a standard offer for a channel of his size. But when he clicked a link for the product, an installer buried itself on his, on his computer.
2: Mm-hmm. So somehow some malware got he got taken to a website and it installed some malware. Yeah. Right, okay. Now,
1: he immediately knew what was happening. So he cut power to his PC, did a fresh Windows install and changed all his login info. All right. But it was already too late. The hacker had gotten into his computer, got his Google account, uh, and bypassed two-factor authentication, and extracted his YouTube account from his Gmail. So that's phase one. Hmm. Ouch. Okay, now what do you do? What do you do at this stage? So that imagine this is you, right? This is this happening to you guys. Your channel, this is where you make your moolah, where mm. you make your,
2: your dosh. So this guy's changed my password. I can't access my YouTube anymore. Is that right? Right. Because he's... And that's what's made you an attractive target is having 350,000 subscribers. Oh. Yeah.
0: And at this point, has he lost control of his whole Google account or just the YouTube bit? Uh, uh, have they hived off the YouTube bit?
2: It's probably the same thing. I think it's the same password for everything.
0: Hmm. Mm.
2: So, uh, well, horrible, isn't it? I imagine you would try and reach out to Google. (laughs) Good (laughs) luck doing that.
1: That's (laughs) exactly correct. So that's what I would do too, right? You could try and contact YouTube team. Yes. Yes. Right. And this is what Marco Style does. And according to Forbes, he contacts YouTube who reply promptly acknowledging the issue. <laughs> now you can see from his Twitter channel how um, it unfolded on the first day from Marco Style's perspective. He wakes up the next day on November 3rd and already his Twitter is all in Russian. They also grabbed his Twitch account.
2: Oh, Oh, so his Twitter and his Twitch, or he's using the same password. Right, okay.
1: And if you look at the bottom of that screenshot I sent you, do you see the very bottom one? He says, it's pretty funny that I made a video laughing at scam emails a couple of weeks ago and then proceed to actually fall for a scam email. Well played, internet. Mm -hmm. So I was like, ooh, what's this, right? So uh, I go and find this video he made about scam emails. And I had a listen and around minute eight, you can hear him talking about responding to scam messages, like basically wasting the scammers time Mm. and being a bit smug, which I thought, oh, bet you regret that a bit now. But anyway, (laughs) I don't think that's anything to do or anything related with this attack or anything like that. But just interesting how, you know, he got kind of, you know, he felt he was quite intelligent about these things Mm. from YouTube. 24 hours in, he got an email saying they acknowledge the issue. So... Uh, days are going by, tick, 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 and now we're five days in, and YouTube has still not blocked the hacker's access mm. or emailed Marco to let him know what was happening. Mm. And now, do you want to guess what the hacker is doing with his t- channel?
0: Um, oh,
2: uh, they're putting up pictures of Vladimir Putin. <laughs>
0: <laughs> These are Russians, right? But we they think. Also, have to presumably on just on the YouTube channel. The money he gets from the YouTube channel goes to his account. So they must have changed... The payment details on his YouTube account so they're then getting the money from the YouTube videos I guess
1: yes okay and I'm glad you're saying that because there's a bit here that I was not fully clear on and I was hoping and I know that's hilarious I do a story that I didn't do my research on Graham so you know he's not, but you can help me out on that both of you can help me on that okay so I'll get that in one second so so basically the hackers did not waste time they got busy right away so they sold Marco Styles' channel on a Russian website for hacked YouTube channels so that's apparently mm. a
2: thing according to Forbes Article. Which right. I'd never mm-hmm. heard about yeah. it. Yeah, because my, my son would love 350,000
0: subscribers. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, he
1: you could buy it for him for Christmas.
0: <laughs> Do you know how much? Do you know how much it went for?
1: Uh no, I don't. I don't. Much
2: See, I, well, I need you on ranches. my side.
1: You're a professional investigative journalist. Yeah, you
2: could promote your book on something like this. <laughs> you could actually yeah. all his videos that he had on there, the hundreds and hundreds of
1: videos, <laughs> completely taken down.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: his profile was changed to read Brad. Garlinghouse.
2: Brad Garlinghouse. Who's
1: Brad Garlinghouse? Is that a made up name? No, it turns out to be the CEO of Ripple, a fintech or financial technology company. Mm-hmm. And it's the owner of XRP, fourth most valuable cryptocurrency at the time I grabbed that little
2: statement. From so somewhere. I'm assuming it wasn't the real Brad Garlinghouse who no. hacked the account.
1: So this is where I needed help, right? So oh, hang somehow, on, hang on, what there's,
2: there's,
0: is going on in your neighborhood, Jeff? I don't. This it's an unmarked police car. Two unmarked police cars just gone through. Hang on, is there a third one? No, nope, there you go. Look, Sorry. Jeff
1: and I, Graham, Graham.com. live in exciting neighbourhoods, Okay, <laughs> we have stuff going on. We happens. we are where it happens. We take Sorry, our job seriously. So the people that bought the site from the person who hacked the site started running a live stream on Marco Stiles' YouTube channel. Right. <laughs> and this live stream was designed to scam viewers out of money. And by the time oh, the stream see. was over, the hackers stole about $15,000 from viewers' Ripple
2: wallets. Oh, so oh, that's see. why they claimed to be this guy who was running the cryptocurrency. So he's some example. big rich dude with yeah. some
1: cryptocurrency.
2: So it's a bit like pretending to be Elon Musk or, you know, which we've seen a lot of in the yeah. past of people doing okay. that. And then they, right, I've got you. Oh, my goodness.
0: Was there, was there a sort of guy on the, on the live feed sort of dressed as like Brad <laughs> casting House or whatever his name is? Like, Hello, I'm the man who runs Ripple. Oh, here's your instructions. It's bizarre, isn't it?
1: And it's not the only one. So the journalist um, at Forbes went and did some digging, and he found quite a number of websites that had the name Brad Garlinghouse associated with them. And maybe they had been all duped as well. Wow. Uh Uh-huh. So... It, I mean, you can get it from Marco Styles' point of view, right? He's thinking, I've spent years building this Ooh. following of three hundred fifty thousand. They trust me. I trust them. I give them what they want. Da, 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 da. And suddenly now, mm. my videos are gone. I'm spewing cryptocurrency spam, and they're going to think I'm spamming them. Yeah, I'm spewing. Yeah, it's not no, good. Mm. Not yeah, good it's all. not good for your reputation at all. No. And meanwhile, he's trying to get a hold of YouTube and get nothing from them. Yeah. Now. A hacked YouTube account, it seems, needs to be dumped or sold extremely quickly because YouTube does end up giving them back to the rightful owners, providing the rightful owners can prove that, hmm. go through the whole rigmarole of proving that their ha- their site was taken off them. Hmm. So you need to sell them really quick before they become effectively worthless. Right? What would you guys do then? Right. So this is happening. You can see your channel being completely
2: spewing garbage. YouTube's not responding to you. If you did have access to other social networks, then that's the place probably to put up a message saying, yes, My YouTube's yeah. been hacked. Um, trust me here instead. Yes. All the
1: fans. Right. That's what we will do to you listeners if this <laughs> happens to us <laughs> and YouTube's ignoring. So that's what he does. He encourages all his fans to report the videos, the video problem on his channel and trying mm-hmm. to get the channel deleted because he's actually more interested in getting it deleted and doesn't want, he says, mm. doesn't want his, you know, his followers to get scammed. They'll follow him back to another channel. That, you know, because he's panicking now, it's five days. Yeah, mm. Yeah. Mm. So effectively, this entire textile seems to be hackers use phishing emails to lure victims or an ad, right, to a fake Google login page, snarfle up their account credentials, break into the Google accounts, reassign popular channels, like reassign the channel to whatever you're trying to spew. Mm. But they also have to change the channel's vanity URL or name. And one of the big questions here in this story was, how did Brad Garlington's profile, clearly a fake identity yep. of a clearly hacked YouTube channel, actually manage to earn a
2: verification
1: badge from YouTube? Something that Marco has been trying to, has been attempted to do for ages oh. and has never actually got it.
2: So he's never got the little tick or whatever. Nope. Uh, But the scammer did?
1: Yes. So I look up what. YouTube Because I do my homework, cram. Mm. I look up what YouTube Probably verification do. badge really means. Mm. And according to YouTube, when you see a verification tick next to a YouTube channel's name, it means the channel has been verified by YouTube. And it says, if a channel has been verified, it's the official channel of a creator, artist, company, or public figure on YouTube. Mm. Verified channels help distinguish official channels from other channels with similar names on YouTube. So, hmm... This all went down and started off on November tw- 2nd. Yeah. It took until November 13 for Marco Style to get control of his channel again and get his videos restored. 11 days after the hack started. Whoa. See, you were feeling stressed before this call, grant. Can you imagine the conniption fits you'd be having? Now, and he's got three hundred fifty thousand, you know followers now i granted i don't think these scans would go after smaller channels so i think that if you are a certain size you're probably a bigger more juicier target we all get that hmm. but three hundred fifty thousand, you you'd think you know you kind of think the size should help hurry it along and maybe? he
2: says he had two-step verification in place yeah yeah well, i mean two, two-factor authentication isn't 100 percent security there are Nothing ways of, of getting around it mm. but normally most hackers don't go to all of that effort to do it
0: yeah it's interesting that as well because i mean for, for youtube what youtube have done by this sort of verified you know verified accounts thing is they've injected themselves into the sort of trust yes. system here and said look absolutely we are verified. and if they're not doing a good job of that and if people are losing out as a result yeah then that's a real big issue for them i mean i i thought YouTube's process for that was quite rigorous. But then I haven't done the research you've done, Carl. So it's just unbelievable. (laughs) Like, wow.
1: I think the reason I covered this particular one, because again, this is not a new way for YouTube channels to get snarfled up by hackers. But I think what made this one interesting is Marco did a comeback video explaining everything that happened to him. He also spoke to a few people in the media about it and you got to see his Twitter feed as it was happening and then him commenting on later, which I guess that's what he does Mm. for a job, Mm.
2: so he's pretty Mm. good at it. So have his subscribers gone up since this? Uh,
1: I don't know if his subscribers went up dramatically we can go check his channel he really was grateful for people standing by him and uh, I think that kind of says something for all internet people Graham, if you're nice online (laughs) people will look after you Uh,
0: just saying FYI, (laughs) well,
2: I'm nice online. I'm nice in real life as well, Carl.
0: Oh, but he's so he's. But there's good news out of this. He's got his channel back. Has he still got his three hundred fifty thousand followers or whatever?
1: Yes, I'm just looking now. Hold on. Uh, He's got three hundred sixty-one thousand. So perhaps he made an extra ten thousand through all this, which you know, Maybe it's a win-win. Ten days offline though. Maybe he's
2: the one doing the scam. Maybe he hacked himself. Okay, okay. Posted up in Russian. Back in your box. Made a big stink about it. Got publicity on Forbes. Maybe my son needs to do something like that. (laughs) He's only got 14 subscribers. Sponsors!
1: Okay, hand on heart time. How many of you can say that your password hygiene is squeaky clean? If you're feeling it could use a tune-up, maybe check out LastPass Enterprise. With central admin oversight, controlled, shared access, automated user management, you help every employee become part of your security solution. Find out more at lastpass.com forward slash smashing. Plus, I would like to extend a personal invitation to an upcoming LastPass event on Wednesday, November 27th in the wonderful city of Manchester. Occasional Smashing Security guest host Jessica Barker and yours truly are going to be talking about all things security related. We would love to see you there. Check out the registration page on lastpass.com forward slash smashing. On with the show.
2: And welcome back. Can you join us at our favourite part of the show? The part of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week.
0: Pick of the Week.
2: Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week is the part of the show where everyone chooses something they like. It could be a funny story, a book that they've read, a TV show, a movie, a record, a podcast, a website, or an app. Whatever they wish. It doesn't have to be security-related, necessarily. Better not be. Well, mine is not security-related, necessarily. I don't get to watch, I don't watch a huge amount of television, I have to say. <laughs> I'm more of a podcasty news website kind of guy, but um, last night the wife and I sat down on the sofa and we thought, let's have a binge on a box set. And we said, "Oh, we said we saw it." Season three of The Queen has come out. Have you seen The Queen at all,
0: Crow? Jeff, have you seen The Queen? TV you show? mean the the Crown or the Queen? Is it the oh, crown? you see,
2: <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. The Crown, of course, <laughs> it's the Crown.
0: All about the details, investigative journalism, isn't it?
1: <laughs> you see, you see.
0: Yes. Anyway, yes. Yes, the crown. crown. It stars the queen, I think. I think she's in it. It does. That's
2: hence my confusion. <laughs> and uh, and she wears yes, and the queen wears a crown and it's called the crown. Anyway, but um now we have it in season 3, we've got a new queen in the form of Olivia Colman. And Matt Smith has regenerated as the Duke of Edinburgh into Toby Menzies. So they've changed the cast. Oh, you
1: love Matt Smith. I
2: do, but he's not in season three. He's in the first two series, and you should go. You
1: watched all this. Yes, of course. Did you watch three series last night?
2: No, no, no. We've watched two (laughs) series previously, but the third series has just come out. Now, it's a really good show. I really like it. It's all said in the past, you know, Carole. It's all based upon things which have happened in history. And you've got famous oh. people. And I'm there saying, that's Barbara Cartland." That's someone doing a very bad Harold Wilson impression. <laughs> and so I'm loving spotting people and pointing them out. We were watching this last night, and we were quite enjoying it. And we got to episode three. And episode three started, and it gave the title of the episode, which was Abba Van." And I looked over at my wife, and I said, uh-oh, this isn't going to be good. Well, my wife... Uh, wasn't brought up in the UK, as you know, mm-hmm. and so she doesn't know about the Aberfan disaster, and maybe some of our listeners at other really? places. I in don't the world. know about it. So, in 1966, there was uh, in South Wales, there was basically an avalanche of coal waste that swept down, buried a primary school in the town of Aberfan, and uh, tragically, more than a hundred kids died. Gosh, um, it just completely destroyed. Uh, and this particular episode was all about that disaster and the Queen's response to it and I have to say harrowing as it was to watch it was extremely impressive as the whole series has been with the period detail and all the rest of it but also of course because of the subject matter incredibly moving as well and I just thought this is fantastic, and I can overlook the fact that that's not a very good Harold Wilson impression um, because the rest of the episode was really superb. And so I thought, well, I'm going to make that my pick of the week. A little bit glum, but I have... And a have, little bit of history. But a little bit of history, but also I really recommend The Crown, if not The Queen. Um, <laughs> Because the name of the show is The Crown, and it's on Netflix,
1: and it features the Queen. I'm
0: sort of I'm intrigued a bit by The Crown because I, when it first came on, me and me and my partner watched it, and, and I was sort of saying, well, this the stuff in here that's quite you know quite mm. spicy about you know the yes. Queen, you know, and her early days and how the relationship was, and I thought, well. They can't know all of this. There's got to be a certain amount of artistic licence about this. But these people are not only still alive, they're still very powerful and influential. Yes. And as the series becomes more up-to-date, these issues are going to get more and more difficult, potentially more and more libelous. And, frankly, given what we've seen over the past week with members of the royal family...
2: (laughs) Yes, but maybe in a future episode, we'll see them at a uh, Pizza Express in (laughs) Woking celebrating Beatrice's
0: birthday party. Dear, (laughs) oh, dear. Jeff, what's your pick of the week? Um, Well, my pick of the week is sort of inspired by uh, by actually another Netflix, not to plug Netflix here, but another Netflix series, the the great Tidying Up with Marie Kondo, (laughs) where um, interior tidying expert Marie Kondo, which apparently is a job... Um, somebody tells you, put all of your things away, tidy up. That used to be just called, you know, my parents when I was a kid. But now apparently somebody who tells you to put your things away is now a job that somebody has. So tidying up expert Marie Kondo. Um, I did watch a bit of this out of the corner of my eye as I was reading the paper. And I just, I had, I was inspired. I was inspired. Ooh. And I want to talk to you about the joy of Marie Kondoing your your electrical computer cable cupboard.
2: because Ooh, I, I don't go in there.
0: Yeah. I'm frightened imagine, of it. I imagine it's it's more of a more of a cave than a cupboard in your case, <laughs> Graham. More of a, an entire floor that I imagine most people listening to this podcast probably have. A drawer at the very least, if not a cupboard, yeah. possibly a whole room. And what I realized was I'd basically kind of bootstrapped myself into the into an infinity of cables because like, oh, well, <laughs> i have to have this cable with this thing because that doesn't fit with that but this laptop only takes that socket so i'll get a converter and then i'll back convert that and i've lost the power source to this but i can use that power source by linking it to this one and it was basically i'd created this main chain daisy chain of hell and i i, I laid all at one time I, was, I laid all the cables out and i was like this is just insane and i thought no sod it i'm getting rid of stuff i got rid of all of the old stuff I, I bought a, a new laptop because I thought I need, a new laptop will solve a lot of these problems. And as soon as I did it, I got rid of so much stuff. And just this afternoon, an hour ago, a guy yes. came around whose youth club was broken into um, over in Hackney. Oh. And they needed some spare stuff. And I said, look, I've got all this spare stuff. He's like, great <sighs> And I was so just
1: going to make fun of you and then you had to go say that. I know. I'm, I right. was just going to say so you married kwando you got married Kwando'd and you bought a laptop. <laughs> That's basically what happened. You bought a new laptop, but then you went and helped the world. So,
0: no, so I, I, I managed to give all the stuff away to people who needed it and um, I managed to clear out an infinity account. And it feels, I, I cannot tell you how much w- more wonderful it feels not to have so many bloody cables hanging out. Okay, but
1: I have a problem with Marie Kondo. So just this weekend, so I have a lot of hobbies, right? And hobbies demand a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. associated with my different (laughs) hobbies. But there's going to be a rather large number of people in my house pretty soon. And I was thinking, hmm, I better get rid of all this stuff. So I've put the stuff away But now, it's really irritating. It's not there, (laughs) but you need it. Exactly. Every time I want to do something specific, I'm like, oh, where did I put my guitar pick? God! (laughs) You know, or... Yeah,
0: I, I did that at one point. I put all my little gadgets and stuff in little boxes. And I was like, I'm going to put all the USB things in there. I'm going to put all of the keys in there. And then realized that I have boxes inside boxes. And it all looked yeah. very neat, but was completely inaccessible. Exactly. In so I, I did get
2: yeah. that. Carol, could you not suspend it from the ceiling? What if we Ooh. used more um, My husband is very, space? very large. So uh, no. Okay. I was just thinking if you were to sort of have a pulley system and pull up boxes I up there. You don't live in a but,
0: fucking castle, Crayon. Do you not? suspend your husband from the ceiling cut out the middle <laughs> just thinking that's I'm, I'm thinking Tom outside. Cruise style <laughs> like you a, a can fucking fire. winch spider. him down when you need him and then winch <laughs> yeah, him right. back up
1: yeah like a yeah exactly. oh
0: that's dreamy I love uh, one of those things you hang towels over or like pots and pans in a kitchen exactly, you know, like
2: exactly battery de cuisine or whatever I think you'll find Crow's husband is someone you hang towels over Crow, what's your <laughs> pick of the week? Okay, you
1: guys are going to tell me who the star of my pick of the week is. Oh, okay. Okay. Okay, clue number one. She's from the US and held the title of most nominations of any female recording artist in history up to 2014 when Beyonce snagged the title away from her. Diana Ross. Um, She won eight Grammy Awards, nominated 47 times, wrote the song... Fa- made famous by Whitney Houston, I Will Always Love You, and No, I Won't Sing That.
2: I am going to go Dolly Parton. Oh, good one. It's definitely Dolly Parton. It's Dolly Parton.
1: <laughs> and? Yes. And once she entered a look-alike contest where she went up against drag queens who impersonated her, and she entered in secret, and no one questioned her. They just thought she was a drag queen like everyone else, and she lost the contest where <laughs> the goal was to look like herself.
2: We've all had that happen to us, let's be (laughs) honest.
1: Now, Mm -hmm. Dolly Parton. Now, the reason I'm talking about Dolly Parton is Jad Abenrad has put out a
2: new (laughs) miniseries. You don't know Jad. Who's Jad Abenrad? This sounds like the other guy, Gabe Borgenborg.
1: Graham, Jad Abenrad is the host of the wonderful, amazing podcast called Radiolab. And it's been going oh, exactly. for about 15 years, and he's like a musical genius, and he puts stories together well, and it's super well produced, and he's just a star. Right. This right. new podcast, it's a mini-series called Dolly Parton's America, and it's a basically an interview-style podcast with the queen of country, herself, Lady Dolly. And I love Dolly, and I've loved her mm. ever since I worked in Canada at a... At Canada's Donut Heaven, actually, Tim Hortons, because uh, my favourite customer when I worked there, a man named Ed. Was Dolly Parton? No, uh, he was a lovely man named Ed, and he loved her, and he introduced me to her and lent me his in CDs of her, and I fell in love with her. So, And then Ed died, oh. so I always remember Ed when I think, oh, for I know, sake, I know. Like death. Now, this podcast is all about Dolly Parton, and it's led by Jad, and Jad also grew up in Tennessee. He's actually, uh, he was an immigrant to Tennessee, and he did not have a very happy growing up experience and dolly also grew up in tennessee and they kind of juxtapose their experiences and it's quite i don't know intimate but also candid and lovely mm-hmm. um so check it out she talks about growing up her music career her big break she talks even about her boobs she talks about how uh she spent her whole career sticking them in people's faces so why wouldn't they comment on them and then he asked <laughs> her if she was a feminist so anyway she is very old school cool that's what I say, and uh, she gets my vote. So check out Dolly Parton's America, and I'll put a link in the show notes and on the website. That sounds. Great. It's great. It is really good. It's about I don't know. I think about nine episodes, so it's 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 beefy as well. So there's lots of content.
2: Hmm. Okay. Fantastic. Cool. Well, that just about wraps it up this week. Thank you very much. And Jeff, where should people? follow you online or find out more about you
0: my best my most active thing is twitter always which is jeff white 247 jeff with a g white like the color and the numbers two four and seven
1: <laughs> my my most active internet account is graham's twitter so <laughs> you need to get in touch with me just call graham
2: <laughs> and you can follow the show on twitter at smash insecurity no g twitter wouldn't allow us to have a g and we also regularly having conversations about the show up on Reddit as well. So join our subreddit up there.
1: And once again, thanks to this week's Smashing Security sponsor, Last Past. Its support helps us give you the show for free. And thank you, beautiful people, for listening to us, sharing our show with newbies and supporting us on Patreon. Check out smashingsecurity.com for past episodes, sponsorship details and info on how to get in touch with us.
2: Until next time, cheerio. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
1: Now, uh, do you want to hear my idea? Actually, Jeff, I wouldn't mind your your thoughts on this. Oh, go on. What's this? So we have Patreon supporters, and we want to do something extra special yeah. for them. And we were trying to think what we can we do before the end of the year. And I was wondering whether it would be interesting for people if I interviewed you, Graham, with questions they are dying to hear. Mm. So I'll—it's almost like I ask me anything, oh, for- and you can you can do it back. You can do. it I'm about Uh, to say,
2: it sounds a bit like Emily Maitlis with Prince Andrew now. I don't don't want a sort of no-holds-barred No-holds-barred,
1: but you get three pass cards.
0: Okay. Oh,
1: okay. And that's it.
0: So if you guys think
1: it sounds cool, uh, let us know on Twitter or email us or, you know, get in touch the usual way, and uh, we'll pull it together.
0: All right. Okay. sounds fun. Yeah, listen to that.
1: What would you Hmm. ask,
0: Jeff?
2: What would I ask? He doesn't, um, know, he doesn't want to know anything about about me. What is there to know about I mean, me?
0: You'd to ask something personal, wouldn't it? So I guess, okay, here'd be my question. What's your password? <clears throat> okay. <laughs> no, I know that already. Um, <laughs> but, you know, when you go on holiday and you've unpacked your bags and everything, and, you, yeah. and you're, you know, your nice sunny holiday or something, Ugh. and you, and you or, or whatever holiday it is you like, your, your sort of Gore-Tex-clad vortex, <laughs> walking adventure. That's
2: it. That's me. That's me, Yep.
0: You know, your sort of first night of the holiday when you've got all unpacked and you're and you, sitting there and you've had a sit down what's the drink that you have what's your sort of treat drink of the first (coughs) drink of a holiday that's what i'd ask you oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) because i know the real answer well probably a oh right